Did I ever tell you, said Harry Purvis modestly, about the time I prevented the evacuation of southern England? You did not, said Charles Willis. Or if you did, I slept through it. Well then, continued Harry, when enough people had gathered round him to make a respectable audience. It happened two years ago at the Atomic Energy Research Establishment near Clobham. You all know the place, of course, but I don't think I've mentioned that I worked there for a while on a special job I can't talk about. That makes a nice change, said John Wyndham, without the slightest effect. It was on a Saturday afternoon, Harry began, a beautiful day in late spring. There were about six of us scientists in the bar of the Black Swan, and the windows were open so that we could see down the slopes of Clobham Hill and out across the country to Upchester, about thirty miles away. It was so clear, in fact, that we could pick out the twin spires of Upchester Cathedral on the horizon. You couldn't have asked for a more peaceful day. The staff from the establishment got on pretty well with the locals, though at first they weren't at all happy about having us on their doorsteps. Apart from the nature of our work, they'd believed that scientists were a race apart, with no human interests. When we'd beaten them up at darts a couple of times and bought a few drinks, they changed their minds. But there was still a certain amount of half-serious leg-pulling, and we were always being asked what we were going to blow up next. On this afternoon, there should have been several more of us present, but there'd been a rush job in the radioisotopes division, and so we were below strength. Stanley Chambers, the landlord, commented on the absence of some familiar faces. What's happened to all your pals today? He asked my boss, Dr. French. They're busy at the works, French replied. We always called the establishment the works, as that made it seem more homely and less terrifying. We had to get some stuff out in a hurry. They'll be along later. One day, said Stan severely, you and your friends are going to let out something you won't be able to bottle up again. And then where will we all be? Halfway to the moon, said Dr. French. I'm afraid it was rather an irresponsible sort of remark. But silly questions like this always made him lose patience. Stan Chambers looked over his shoulder as if he was judging how much of the hill stood between him and Clobham. I guessed he was calculating if he'd have time to reach the cellar, or whether it was worth trying anyway. About these isotopes you keep sending to the hospitals, said a thoughtful voice. I was at St. Thomas's last week and saw them moving some around in a lead safe that must have weighed a ton. It gave me the creeps, wondering what would happen if someone forgot to handle it properly. We calculated the other day, said Dr. French, obviously still annoyed at the interruption to his darts, that there was enough uranium in Clobham to boil the North Sea. Now that was a silly thing to say, and it wasn't true either. But I couldn't very well reprimand my own boss, could I? The man who'd been asking these questions was sitting in the alcove by the window, and I noticed that he was looking down the road with an anxious expression. The stuff leaves your place on trucks, doesn't it? he asked, rather urgently. Yes, a lot of isotopes are short-lived, 
and so they've got to be delivered immediately. Well, there's a truck in trouble down the hill. Would it be one of yours? The dartboard was forgotten in the general rush to the window. When I managed to get a good look, I could see a large truck, loaded with packing cases, careering down the hill about a quarter of a mile away. From time to time, it bounced off one of the hedges. It was obvious that the brakes had failed and the driver had lost control. Luckily, there was no oncoming traffic, or a nasty accident would have been inevitable. As it was, one looked probable.